Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 17, Quanice Floyd, Shaking Foundations for a New Paradigm, Act 1, recorded November 10th, 2018 in Baltimore, Maryland. Screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply to people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember the walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Raise a hand and a glass to Teaching Artistry. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is proud to support the Association of Teaching Artists, the oldest organization serving TAs in the country, presenting their annual award celebrating innovation and excellence in the field, Friday, May 17th at the New School in New York City. Get giveaways from Blick Art Materials, network with arts education colleagues, buy raffle tickets, boogie to the hot tunes, have delicious drinks, and more. Tickets at teachingartists.com. That's teachingartists.com. Raise your hand for teaching artistry. The ATA Awards. Hashtag ATA Awards 2019. Hey, hey, TA listeners. Welcome to season three of the podcast. We are so excited for all that we have in store for you. Exciting guests, interesting conversations, and new revelations. (laughs) I know I tend to get political on this show. And while that won't stop, I am trying to be less angry Um, but rather call out things for us to think about how we can strive to be the ripples of hope in the midst of challenging societal issues within arts education, arts and arts education. So for example, Devocinator, aka Betsy Cruella DeVille DeVos, whatever. Betsy DeVos, she put forth a budget that had tremendous amounts of cuts, I think about $7 million uh, to the education budget for FY20. And most folks know that I despise her. I really do. She is someone who can no longer hide behind her Chanel. I find like, I'd like to call her a wolf. Her fangs have been exposed. She is a wolf in Chanel. Like a wolf wears sheep's clothing. Hmm? 
But no, Congress has so far and hopefully will continue to hold her accountable. Her policies backed by the White House are all about destroying and not about protecting our public student body across the nation, including students with disabilities, black and brown students, multilingual students, and don't even get me started on Title One, sorry, Title Nine, or Title One, or protecting uh, college students against predatory loan companies. She's an awful, awful, horrible, bad person. But I choose to focus my energies on illuminating folks who have a vested interest in treating kids with respect, to love and protect them, to challenge and encourage them. And that brings me to our guest, Kwanis Floyd. I interviewed Kwanis at the National Guild Conference in Baltimore uh, back in November 2019. And at that point, she was a music teacher. And now she has moved back to New York City and working for the National Guild for Community Arts Education. I'm going to say it. Kwanis is a badass. She is an arts administrator. She's a teacher, an educator, a beautiful musician. And she's a co-host of a podcast called Art Accordingly. Um, Check it out. Check it out. I really enjoyed, am enjoying, getting to know Kwanis, and I look forward to our continued conversations and getting into instigating and shaking things up. Here is episode 17, Act 1, Kwanis Floyd, Shaking Foundations for a New Paradigm. Hello. Can you say your name, your full name, and where you work? Hey, hey, I'm Kwanis G. Floyd. I am a public school music teacher in the D.C. metropolitan area, and I'm also the founder and director of the Arts Administrators of Color Network in D.C. And how did you and I meet? Uh, Twitter, right? Uh, Is that right? Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) I think it was through Twitter or through Woka. Woka. I think that's where it started. And then um, Hollis Hedrick introduced us introduced the us other day at this conference so i've been following you on tri- twitter oh oh have you now <laughs> uh uh sorry <laughs> <laughs> i am opinionated on the twitter that's fine um <laughs> and you have you have a show don't you yes what's your show so um my podcast is called art accordingly and we inter- interrogate systems of oppression in the arts on a national scale love it Absolutely yeah. love it. And so actually that's how I realized that uh, who you are is that um, my friend Rachel Watts was like, hey, teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body, do you know this group? And mm-hmm. then I started listening and I, I remember being in like, you know, like house cleaning and listening mm-hmm. to the f- like the first two episodes. I was like, all right, we are, <laughs> we are dismantling, deconstructing yeah. and calling shit out yeah we usually shake it up <laughs> shake shit up <laughs> that's fantastic so i'm uh i'm very proud to have a fellow podcaster you can we call you a friend of the podcast Is yes that definitely yes definitely. excellent a supporter a friend a confidant yes. an accomplice all of that i love it so uh i loved how uh hollis was like do you know Kwanis? and i was like maybe and you're like i know you <laughs> um and then he's like great meet talk change the world right. so what are we gonna do 
All of it. <laughs> uh, awesome. So tell 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 us a little bit about your background. So um, you're you're a music teacher and you're a part of this network, or you've, you've, you're the founder of this network, is yes. that right? So um, can you talk a little bit about the work that you do in schools and then about the network? Sure. So my background is I was born and raised in New York City. Um, I'm a product of New York City Public Schools, proudly. Yeah, where did you go? Uh, my high school is uh, Town Unlimited Performing Arts, yes. which is the Upper East Side. Well, is that Upper East Side? It's not really Upper East Side, it's but upper. it's like East 68th. Yeah. Um, that school is still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess the, the movie that inspired me was Mr. Holland's Opus. Nice. And I saw how he changed his students' life both inside of school and outside of school. So when I was in high school, I decided I wanted to be a music educator. Um, I came to D.C. and went to Howard University. Um, For those who don't know Howard, it's a historically black college university based in D.C. Um, And I majored in music education. I played violin and piano. Um, And then once I graduated, I just started teaching. Mm. And (laughs) teaching in the schools, I got certified, had to take all those, you know, those exams, Praxis 1, Praxis 2, all of that. Um, And I loved it. I taught uh, pre-K 3 to 8th grade. That was my first uh, (laughs) year teaching. And I absolutely loved it. It was just... Seeing the faces of my students just brought so much like joy to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tried to like protect them within the fall, four walls of my classroom. I wanted them to be who they knew themselves to be, and I wanted them to express themselves creatively. Beautiful. Um, so I've been teaching for, I think this is my ninth year. Um, I'm currently teaching in a Maryland public school that's right outside of DC. Um, and I started the Arts Administrators of Color Network about two years ago. So I went back to school multiple times. Please don't ask me why, because I don't even know why, because it's just more student debt. Um, so I got my first master's in music ed, and I got my second master's in arts management from American University. Um, and I just kept getting coming into these spaces where there weren't any people of color. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about arts and culture, and you know, mm-hmm. we have all the arts and culture in the world, like mm-hmm. in our communities. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are coming up with like systems and barriers as to say what arts and culture truly is based on the Western mindset. Um, so I got Western tired of that. European, hmm? Western European. Yes, mindset. Western European mm-hmm. mindset. So I got tired of all that. That was whoop. And so um, I was inspired um, by women of color in the arts. So shout out to Kaisha. She does amazing work um, with her organization. And there's another organization called Here Are All the Black People, and it's uh, <laughs> it's from I think the advertisement industry, and so they have like this huge event, and it's all the black people here, and they're like, here are all the black people. So I created Arts Administrators of Color mm-hmm. um, after all of that research, and then having conversations with friends who were in the arts world, and just saying, hey, you know, we are here, but people aren't recognizing us, people aren't uh, noticing us, people are saying that we don't exist, people are saying there's no people of color to hire, so. Um, I wanted to put that myth to rest. And so right now we have about 1,200 members. It started off as a Facebook group. And the Facebook group, we had like 200. And so we would have like a couple of social events here and there. And then people were like, hey, what else are we going to do? So I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. We do need to do more stuff. Mm -hmm. Let's get activated. Let's activate this space. Um, And so I created the 501c3, got the incorporation, Mm -hmm. set up a board, got a planning committee. um, And we received all of that last year. And now since then, we've had over 25 events, professional developments, um, Art Accordingly, our podcast is one of our programs, mm-hmm. um, networking events, we have an annual convening. We actually just had an annual convening in September, at the end of September here in Baltimore, um, and we're planning to have our next annual convening in DC. Um, but you know, we, one thing that's very important to us is honoring our past 
and honoring our elders. Mm. Um, and so for 2019, like our year is going to be um, the Sankofa year. So we're going to talk about how we can honor those who came before us in the field more. Um, and then also our organization is not just arts managers, it's about arts leaders in general. So we include artists um, and the word artist is, can't be defined. If you think you're an artist, then join us, you know? Nice. Um, but yeah, right now we're just moving and grooving. We're hitting the ground running. A lot mm -hmm. of people want us to create chapters in other cities. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just hoping to shake shit up. And so uh, have you been in touch with WOCA and what, uh, what does WOCA stand for? Oh, Women of Color in the Arts. Mm -hmm. And that's in New York? It's based or is in it, New York. Yeah. So have you been in touch with them or has that just, what happened? In the beginning we had like a, um, we had a mixed group, not a mixed group, I don't know how it was a mixed group. Well, WOCA um, hosted an event. Mm -hmm. um, I hosted an event for WOCA on behalf of WOCA um, in DC. And so um, since then, I don't think we've had much communication, but I mean, we are trying to like reach out to other organizations mm. that are doing the work. Yeah. Um, because in uh, Chicago, there's an arts and leaders, uh, arts and culture leaders of, um, of Chicago, of color. Um, in LA, there's like a women of arts and culture um, organization over there. In Boston, there's the Network for Arts Administrators, but we're the only like standalone organization. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have anyone that we report to, so we don't have fiscal sponsors. We are the 501c3. Right. So I'm hoping that we can collaborate with whatever's happening in other cities, other projects, other, yes. you know, um, sub-organizations in other cities so that we can all come together and do this work together. Because yeah. we're all cousins and we're all family. Well, yeah. We've got a tend and friend, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was at a, a podcast um, conference earlier this week and um, there was a network there that were, were also like, come and be a part of this directory, mm -hmm. people of color, because it's the same concept where, you know, this the podcast industry is definitely a growing industry right. and how things grow often it's the same concept of well, where are all the black people right it's like no 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 boo boo we are here right <laughs> um so so that was really nice and so i i signed up for that and so you know i'd be interested in learning more about um you know if you are to to reach out to others i'm not a part of woca only because i mean i think i'm on the facebook page but it hasn't mm. been like popping on my particular facebook page but I belong to a lot of things and it gets a little like overwhelming. Right. Um, but I remember going to an event at the Apollo mm. and it was because I didn't even know about it, to be honest with you. And this was many years ago when I think I was, I was still an associate director. Um, so it was before 2012 mm -hmm. and we had an apprentice who was such a lovely young woman. Um, she was a graduate student um, and she was, I don't know what happened where she sort of just mentioned it off the cuff and was like, you should come. And I was like, okay, I'll come. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a lovely event. Um, and then I, I think that's when I joined the Facebook page and that's kind of as far as I particularly took it, which mm -hmm. makes me feel like, Oh yeah. They have a great gathering oh. every year at, um, APAP, the association for performing yeah, see, arts. Okay. So, so they have like an annual meeting there. I they have okay. a huge great. forum that use a symposium. I think that usually takes like all day mm -hmm. and they talk about women in, and especially women of color in arts mm. leadership. And so Kaisha does a phenomenal job advocating for that. That's great. Uh, I've never been to APAP. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm realizing that as, as director of education, um, mainly because I f there's two of us um, and, and as 
I'm schools. And mm-hmm. so I focus so much on education and right. arts education. I'm not as, um, as engaged on the theater for young audiences side or right. the presenter side of things as my, my counterpart is. So, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about how to ch- change that. So that's good information yeah. for me. Are Thank you, you. Um, was it a member of AATE? Yes. Okay. Are you going to there? I think they're having something coming up. Too. They, uh, they do have a symposium. They have a, I thought it was a digital. Yeah. I think that passed. So but that something passed. else is coming up. That's like in person, but I don't remember what it is. Well, I know but that they're, they're based in DC. That's how I know them. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm def- we've, we, the new victory has partnered with them to do a, a theater for young audiences mm-hmm. symposium. Again, I'm not the one who's coordinating all that okay. though. I'm supporting it and obviously attending it, presenting at it, et cetera. Um, and uh there will be their um large conference or like huge conference and that's an annual conference every summer yeah that's going to be in new york city this year okay, and so yeah. I, um we're definitely going to be involved in Yay. that um, which will be, be great so you'll be there hopefully, oh good hopefully and so <laughs> just to take it back to your your music mm-hmm. um and your music teacher so how, uh, you play instruments uh you what 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 are all the the segments of your music education or your music as an artist? Yeah, so tr- I'm a classically trained violinist and pianist. However, in order mm-hmm. to become a public school teacher, I had to learn every single instrument. That's amazing. How hard was that? Uh, it wasn't really hard. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that I really sucked at was flute. <laughs> I could never get a that, sound on the mm-hmm. head of the flute. <laughs> I was just struggling. I don't know. I'm not. I played the violin from third grade through seventh grade, mm-hmm. and. I actually really enjoyed it, but I didn't really love my teacher. Mm-hmm. Be a good teacher. Um, it, ha- it means a lot. I also, like, in retrospect, I think she was just calling me out of my shit, and um, I didn't like it. I oh. think that's really <laughs> what was going on. Uh, anyway, I was I was not, like, the most studious kid. I just sort of, like, whatever was easy, mm-hmm. I would do. And a, a lot came pretty easily to me, and if it right. didn't, that was that was okay yeah that doesn't work in music <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she was calling me out about like not practicing enough yeah, and not you there. know da, da, da. and then i don't know by sixth grade we had a whole like shuffle of teachers in schools because one of the schools closed and we had a new orchestra teacher and somehow w- for whatever reason she just um uh motivated me mm-hmm. to actually practice and actually move forward and i um so anyway uh I tell that story a lot on this on this <laughs> podcast about like what kind of artist am I, mm-hmm. and um, as a as a from a family, my family was is very musical and, and theatrical. My my dad uh, played guitar mm-hmm. and um, sang in church, uh, and and I think he tried to teach my sister how to play, mm-hmm. and it, that was a disaster. Aww. So he he was a teacher, but right. not a music teacher. Sure. So so what what is it about? Like I loved what you were talking about earlier about just to to create a space to allow my students to feel like they're full full selves right. and to see their faces as they're learning and playing. Um, so what what is my question that I want to ask you? I want to I want to know what that is. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I have asked this question. Uh, usually of teaching artists, but just of like, what, what is the thing? How can you name it? Can you name the thing when like that lesson goes beautifully or some Mm -hmm. light bulbs go off or that you feel something, right? Mm -hmm. There's a thing that happens. I usually call it like a buzz, Mm -hmm. but what's the thing that, what, how do you describe that thing? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a teacher, so I have mm-hmm. to talk about content. Mm. But for me, it's more than the content. It's about the relationships that you're building with mm. the kids. Um, and I'm very, very intentional about that. Like, 
I try to create a one-on-one with all 400 kids in my school. Wow. Um, and some of them might not like me, but they usually end up liking me later on. <laughs> like, um, they just have to get used to it. I give a lot of um, tough love. Like, I don't accept students who say they can't do anything. Mm. I don't accept stu- when students say that um, it's hard, I want to quit. No, nope, you're not going to quit. I'm not quitting on you. You shouldn't quit on yourself. Nice. Um, so I even had like a theme in my classroom saying, because of them, we can, which is the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the woman who, de- who does it, but she has the pictures of the kids yeah, who yeah, dress yeah. up like, um, you know, trailblazers in black culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have pictures of those kids in that campaign on the wall in my classroom. That. And that's a theme of my classroom. So whenever my students say, oh, I can't do this. And I point to them. Because of them, we can. And they know what that means because in the beginning of the year, we have a conversation. What do you think because of them, we can't mean? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you know, people came before us and they were able to do it, so that means we can do it. Yes, that's exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. So kind of instilling that, that almost a core value into them mm-hmm. um, and letting them believe that they can do it. And regardless of it, you know, I love them. If they can't do it, I'm not going to say you can't do it. It's, it's the best that you can do. Um, and then giving that love that they deserve. They deserve the love. Oh. Um, one thing about me is I, I care about my students a little bit too much. So I come to work very early. I leave work very late. And then I get mad at everybody else who comes at the regular time and leaves at the regular time. <laughs> I'm like, how could you leave at 4.15 when school just ended and the kids have stuff and there's after school. I'm sorry. Am I serious? Oh. <laughs> after school. <laughs> that happens with my podcast too. My, my co-host is like, you're too loud. Okay. Um, but I'm just like, how can you leave? And it's just, the kids are here. They're here after school. There's opportunities to, like, enrich their, you know, outside of school. There's to enrich who they are outside of yeah. just the regular classroom setting. So, like, I teach step after school. Um, I do world drumming. I ended up getting a grant for, like, new instruments. So we did, like, a world drumming program. Um, and I think, for me, the buzz is creating those relationships with students and with families and the community. Mm. You know, and as somebody who's an arts administrator and is sending teaching artists into schools that where they're not embedded, where they're not working for the schools on a day-to-day basis, like, there's a lot of conversation that we have around the love right. and how we are coming in sort of cold how do we how do we come into a community that's not ours how do we um uh as we're representing an organization that is very um ensemble based how do we bring that part of our culture into their culture in a way that sort of supports what's happening in the school what uh, in a way that is um showing love and Mm -hmm. actually loving these young people especially when we are working in a residency type situation but even if we're only there for one time what what does that look like so we we try to be quite intentional it's a different kind of thing where we're not, you know, able to come in early, stay late, that kind of thing. Um, but as somebody who, like I said, my father is a teacher, like he was the same, like he would go in um, and stay late and tutor the kids and mm. really like work with the kids. And he um, worked with students from all uh, abilities. Right. Uh, so he had a, a, unfortunately they call it the remedial class, but like it was a, 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 a I guess students who might have been um, learning at, at a lower level than they might've been in their grade mm-hmm. um, all the way up to calculus. Right. And he was also like the coach of the mathletes Aww. and, um, <laughs> and then also did a lot of tutoring. And so he, and he was that person, it was a high school. So, um, he did a lot of what do you call it the recommendation, recommendation letters, letters yeah. and that was like a big deal and i still even to this day he's got, he passed away about 10 years ago but oh, even to this day when i see somebody they're like oh your father like he took Aww. so much time with me i was so you know not i, c- I couldn't get it and like 
you know, I get that. So I just, the, the idea of like love, mm-hmm. the first time I really heard and believed that concept was when, um, Sean Jin Wright was at this conference. Oh, yeah. And, um, prior to that, uh, in other insta- instances, like there's the, um, the project zero, um, study that's from uh, uh, like earlier in, in this um, century, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from Harvard mm-hmm. about the qualities of qualities. And one of the qualities that they were talking about was love, but they, they sort of put it on the side because mm-hmm. they couldn't quantify it. Right. Um, and I'm doing air, uh, one set of air quotes, but that, uh, but that always bothered me when I was like, but that is, that is the thing. Right. If you're not showing love for these kids, why are you even there? Right. Um, and so then when, you know, years later when Sean is like, you, you we've got to love these, these young people, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to let like some study say you can't quantify life because that's not what it's about. Right. Um, it's not about quantifying. It's about feeling it and right. doing it and, and truly embracing young people and giving them space to be able to create um, for themselves and to uh, express themselves. Right. So, yeah, that's how, I feel like that's yeah. how education is in mm-hmm. general. Like they all about the quantitative, quantitative like studies. What can you trace? What can you research? What can you follow up with? But you know, I can't, like write up my relationship with each of the kids it doesn't like come in a number there's no number that goes with you know mm-hmm. hey little johnny i know his mother said that she wants me to watch after him after school like there's no number for that mm. um yeah and that's that's kind of what breaks my heart about the public education system like everything is a number attached to it mm-hmm. and students are more than numbers families are more than numbers communities are more than numbers so yeah so true so true Though there is a, there is a, you know, the idea of finding data points and telling the story to, to, um, you know, the data plus the story is that sort of wider, Mm -hmm. um, context, but But the story sometimes is skewed. Tell me more. So a lot of the times data, of course, you know, data is focused on like the Western study Mm -hmm. of all of these like tests and grades and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But people can skew that data to the way they want it to. Like they could use that data to tell a different story that might not necessarily be true. I mean, I've seen that in public education (laughs) where, yeah, like, because you know, we talk about like the school to prison pipeline. I see that a lot with that. They'll say, you know, student A, he scored high or maybe, you know, well maybe he didn't, he didn't mean to score high because every day in class he doesn't do his work. So then they'll try to say, oh, because he's not doing well in class, will put him in a, you know, a more quote unquote remedial class. But he scored extremely high on the standardized test. So they're like trying to put them into boxes using that data. Right. And so I, so as somebody who's not like that deeply embedded, I understand when you're talking about like data driven, um, measures right Right. and that like we're making decisions based on data Mm -hmm. and then you're talking about the skewing of that data and not taking the full picture into context and actually coming from a place of asset bearing um and and uh what's the right word like it's the pipe is changing the pipeline uh of like let's find a way to actually challenge this young person because maybe maybe they're acting out hmm, uh, in classes or they're not doing well in class because they're bored right could that be the thing? And if instead we're finding ways to actually challenge or we're changing the way that we're imparting uh, or delivering instruction Mm -hmm. that that would match 
um, what we're seeing in terms of the standardized tests or there, there could be other op, uh, ways of addressing whatever's going on. Right. Um, and not too many public schools districts do, can right. like do make those accommodations. And so it ends up being like a negative story attached to it. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, so, how, so how do we change that? I would say I would because mm-hmm. it depends on like your state. Mm. I would think I would think more so of, like state level voting because I know California votes for their superintendents, but I don't know if yeah, necessarily it, yeah. other states do no, that. I, um, I think they do in Jersey. Okay. They don't. They're appointed in um, uh, New York. Yeah. And then the smaller districts they're appointed mm. to by the, like the mayor or whoever. But isn't it a larger, like, beyond the states or the cities or the districts, right? Isn't isn't there... Am I going to talk about her? I mean, there's things happening, but states well, still inevitably still kind of do what they want to do. True. I So there's this movement about, like, rethink the schools. Have you heard of, yeah, of, heard of this? Yeah, Do you know much? I don't know much about, I don't know it. Much about no. it. I've heard of it. I'm curious. And then there's this book that I'm not going to remember the person who wrote it, but why schools, mm. you know, and how our schools are, are completely out of date based mm-hmm. on where we are now. And the structure and the setup is um, at a place where it's based off of agriculture, right. which doesn't make any sense um at this point and and um you know there are new schools like uh you know the we work so there's a a a brand new school and the blue school too do you know the blue school Mm -mm. okay so so maybe i'll talk about the blue school better because i know more but the i mean i will talk about the (laughs) the blue school because i know it more than that anyway uh so the blue man group Oh yeah. The um the folks who started that built a school. Oh. The school is down yeah, the school is down um it's like between it's right right by the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, wow. Um right on like Peck Slip or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um like you walk in <laughs> I went there once. They they've been partners with us here and there and we had a, a teaching artist who was a, a part time uh, uh drama teacher there. Um and you change your shoes. Mm-hmm. And now you're in school. Um, and like Mr. Rogers. It's, ki- it's kind of like that. So we had to change our shoes. I had like guest shoes. <laughs> um, but basically it's like 10 kids per class. Mm. And it's the curriculum is sort of like, we are just here to help them grow. Right. And they pick their own projects and their own mediums. And it, it so the idea is that, you know, you're, you're, um, making your own education. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's there's things that they have to adhere to, right. but um, so this new this new school that's created being created now, it's called uh, We Grow, mm-hmm. and it's in the We Work building, oh, wow. and they're building these like so they they go on these nature. <laughs> it's about nature. It's about um, organic, uh, but they their their classrooms are just like open spaces, right. and there's not like that sort of rigid sitting behind a desk modality. Right. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know much more than what I just said. I know that the blue school, I think now they've built so much that they have, they're getting into maybe um, 
uh, they they were growing towards a middle school and they might be almost ready for a high school um and i don't know where they're gonna fit in that building so maybe there's a different space but um i'm interested in that like i'm interested Mm -hmm. in like instead of these sort of specialized schools that obviously probably um have tuitions and such Mm -hmm. to think about how does how can we rethink what schools how schools maintain or are run um, on a larger scale. Um, And obviously I don't think that this is the time Mm. uh, on a federal level that this is not, this is not the time. Right. I hate her. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We didn't even think about her. Um, (laughs) Um, But yeah, like in the doctoral course I was taking, um, we were, we had a class called creative leadership and it was basically using design thinking to dismantle the current school mm. structure mm-hmm. and how to like create, we created our own. So we were in groups mm-hmm. and everybody created their own group. So, you know, one group would have uh, only online, uh, online school mm-hmm. that would be, you know, whatever your skills are and how they can build those skills upon your skills. Um, and then our school was like a hub school. So our school would have social work. Our school would be like a community school yeah. almost, but mm-hmm. to the effect of where students would live on the campus. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting, it, but you know, especially in a doctoral program full of educators, they say, you know, what would school look like if there wasn't really a school and like all the educators were like, what, you can't do that. Da, 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 da. So a lot of us educators, not me, but a lot of us educators are stuck in that yeah. structure where we're like, what is it that can't, that's not real school. I mean, if did, it's something different. Did you study like, um, uh, education in education Finland leadership. and, yeah. um, Denmark, right? Yeah. Like where the teachers are designing their own curriculum. There's not like a standard and it's all about creating space for young people to grow and to play. Yeah. The only thing I think people push back on that, those two studies are that their, their demographics are very homogeneous. Yes. So, but, but at the same time, right. That's not the reason not to, right. We could still try it. (laughs) We should try, we we could try it and we could find, um, work best for us. Yeah, exactly. And so it's been also, um, at least in New York city, I don't know if, um, uh, uh, if you've seen this, uh, evidence or, uh, seen this before, but there have been a couple of different arts organizations that developed high schools. Mm -hmm. So dream yard project has a high school, a preparatory high school, it's interesting though, if the like arts is at the center or this idea of social justice at the, is at the center of schooling because there are still all these mandates mm-hmm. eventually, like you can't, you can't get around those yeah. things. Right. So I, I'm curious about like the, uh, what was it called? New visions, new voices, I believe, or mm-hmm. just new visions. Maybe I'm thinking about Kennedy center. I'm mixing those two things. <laughs> I think, I think it's just uh, new voices, but, um, that sort of revisioning of, of what a school can look like and putting a particular subject or uh, discipline at the core right. of the, of the, um, of the school and then building off of that, whether it's technology or um, theater or, you know, what have you. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel like we, we gotta, we gotta shake things up on the, and I don't know enough. I definitely didn't study, um, you know, the education system and as, as if I went to like an education school to be certified, mm-hmm. um, I have a background in educational theater, but it's much more on this like admin theater for young audiences, um, arts infusion side. Right. Um, but you do need to have under an understanding of policy, of course. Right. Um, so I'm not going to speak very eloquently in the way that I think you can right. <laughs> <laughs> since you studied it. Yeah. But, um, you know what, if you could design your own school, what would you do? 
Hmm. I mean, I did actually for my second master. No, yeah, for my second master's program, I created a K twelve school of the arts, but I made it a public charter school mm-hmm. because in DC they don't really have as much like uh, red tape in the public charter school realm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I made like a K twelve school where students get to pick their disciplines and they get to try what they want to do mm-hmm. as early as like third grade yeah. and build that up throughout their K twelve experience. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever thought of just doing like just doing music and not being in a public school? Well, like a performance? Um, or? you know, like still doing education, but just focusing on the music part and not being a certified art uh, uh teacher. So like a or teacher guys. E- either that yeah. or or opening up your own music school, I guess. Uh hmm. I have. I mean, I've thought about it, but I love, I don't know. I feel like I need, there's a need for me in the public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's a need for me. Thank you for listening to episode 17, act one of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Quanice Floyd, Shaking Foundations for a New Paradigm. Join us next time for act two. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Brandon Hutchinson is the media arts coordinator. Jerry Johnson Smalls is the communications intern. Jono Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. And now on Instagram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.